The number one question is, and it's super simple. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets, which rolls us really nicely into topic number three, aka listing and buying questions. Let's unpack that because that is where the money's at. This is where you make the money. This is the home stretch. How do you get more listing? How do you get more buyers to trust you? How do they become your friends? And how the heck do you become the number one listing agent in your area, just like you, Missy? Sure. So on your listings, I'm a perfectionist. So my Ooh, photos. Don't tell me that. Nope. Um, <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. So and a crippling perfectionist, you're you need to speak to that client. Like if my listing is here in Tennessee and somebody's on the West Coast and they're sipping coffee on Sunday morning. I want them to be mesmerized with my listing. It needs to have the best pictures. It needs to have the best editing on the pictures. It needs to be staged. It needs to be, you know, it's like a beauty contest. The prettiest homes get picked first for the most money. And we can't forget that. How crazy is that? Wow. Because we don't all just watch HGTV (laughs) for properties we can't afford. We don't all go on these other property websites that shall not be mentioned on the show (laughs) and look at stuff that is in the millions that we can't afford, right? (laughs) Well, and exactly. Well, and for me, if there's a beautiful listing and then the seller says, well, we want to get it on the market as soon as possible. Could you have it on the market tomorrow? And it's like, well, no, it's going to take probably a week because the photographer and I like to get the stager and they're like, oh, it needs to hit tomorrow. And can't you just take cell phone pictures? Hmm. You can't. You can't take those sideways cell phone pictures, those bad pictures off of the Internet. It lives on forever. So even when I close out my properties, I'm very particular about those listings because the next, you know, the next seller, whether I know them or not, you know, that's going to live on for forever. So the square footage needs to be correct. You know, I'll list, you know, a property that's been listed six times. Square footage will have four different numbers. Yes. So I'm very particular about all of that. I have people that call me that um, say I've seen your listings online and I knew that I wanted you to list my house. The write-ups are spectacular. Um, they're beautifully presented. So you're, the quality of your listings is number one. And then you need to always do what is best for that client. And they recognize that. If you're just out for the money, people can always smell that. So if I go to a listing and they want to sell the home and I really don't think that's in their best interest, I will say, I can totally sell your home, (laughs) but I want you to think about this. If you sell this home today, you cannot easily replace it in this market. I want to show you what's available in the 350 to 400 price range in this market. And I want you to think about it a day or two. And if you want to sell your home, I would love to sell your home. It's a beautiful home. But let's just make sure you make a good decision. People respect that so much. They, and it's the truth. They will refer you. They will tell people about it. 
I'll be honest with you, I got a lot of builder business because when the market was down several years ago, I probably shouldn't say this on a national podcast, but my check was bigger than the builders or if the builder was bringing money to closing, there was no way I was going to take a commission. So not on every deal, but on some deals. And my broker had to get paid. But if the builder was really in danger of something bad, you know, the home can go back. So if they don't have the money to bring to closing. So I think people never forgot that my builder business grew exponentially. So, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. The reason I put my hands up for all those that are going to watch us instead of just listen to us is because you are acting like an advisor. You're not acting as an agent. And that's the way I do it as well. And, and it's just, whether you believe in karma or not, whether you believe in law of reciprocity, what you put out is what you get back, whatever, hell, whatever you want to call it. When you walk in, I just dealt with this back in um, August or July. And, and, and I, I, I sat down with my potential at that time, seller lead that I walked in, that met me at an open house. And I said, listen, with all the respect, I know you want to sell this property, but I don't think you should. If you really do insist on selling this property, let me at least show you what is going to be within your budget. Let me show you what your options are so you can make an educated decision. And if I have the honor and the privilege of, of helping you with that, great. But right now, based on what your goal is and where you are, we are so far apart that I would do you a disservice by listing, getting it sold, and then leaving you high and dry because I'm going to build a legacy with my business and I'm going to be here for the next 30, 40, 50 years probably. And then after that, my kids are probably going to take over the empire. So reputation is everything to me. And I'll be the only agent that will walk through your door and tell you not to sell your property. And guess what? I was the first agent. I wasn't the last. They interviewed probably about three or four more agents afterwards. I just stayed in touch with them, checked in. And then from July or August, I got a call in November and saying, hey, can you please come over? We would like to re, you know, we would like to explore the situation here with you because we are actually looking to sell, but you're the only agent that walked through our door that said not to sell at the time, which was the right move. Um, I have the listing right now. It's it's on the market and Unfortunately, it's one of those listings that will probably be on the market for three to six months because they need to net a specific number in order to make that next move. And I'm working my butt off for them um, at the same time, but I set the right expectations, right? Absolutely. And that's really the key. So when we're talking about listing and buying questions, one of the things um, that I think what I'm, I'm taking away is you're asking questions about what the long-term goal is. And you're not asking questions about what the immediate need is only, right? Like, yes, I know you need to sell this property, but why? Like, wh where are we going? What's the next move? So what are some of the questions that you do ask at your listing presentations to make your presentations, quote unquote, perfect and tailored to your clients? So, well, the first, really the first thing that I need to know from the client is, like you said, what is their objective? If they are divorcing, guess what? I know they need to sell that home. If they have a job transfer, guess what? I know they're super motivated. If they tell me, for example, we're only going to sell if we if we get our top dollar. Well, mm -hmm. then I need to manage that a little bit. So 
You need to welcome purchase. to the club. That's that's exactly yes. where I'm at. It's like we need to sell top dollar. I'm like, you're asking me to list your place 60k over, and I did. I said, but I just want to tell you, like, it, it's probably not going to go for what you're asking. But people never remember that you say that. I promise you, they never remember that you say that. They don't. And you know what? <laughs> here's here's the one thing that I'll say. Put that shit in the listing agreement of what you're talking about. And, and this is a lesson. This is what I need to, this is what I took away from, from this deal. It is a little bit more on the difficult side. We had the conversation. We talked about price reduction and pricing the property accordingly to the market if it doesn't hit certain KPIs. But I failed to put it in the listing agreement and I failed to put it in an email. Shame on me. Well, the truth is if the interest rate goes up 2%, you know, that changes things. If the interest rate drops 2%, that changes okay. things. Well, so, so get this, I got an offer for, for 330 and I talked them up to 400. This place is listed at 410. They were at 395 and I said, come on, you know, dance with me here. Right. If I got to <laughs> contribute commissions, be like, I'm fine. Let me just do that. Right. So let me, can I get you to your net number? The net number was at 400 minus all the expenses, commissions, yada, yada, yada. Gets them with like my like percent and a half, which is like super crazy. I'm basically giving half of my commission, if not more than half of my commission away, but whatever. It's in the best, best interest of my, my clients. Right. We lost the deal. I got them up 65K and the five additional K was what broke the camel's back because they weren't willing to meet them. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And then I had a top agent in my office say, did you ask the right questions? So that's why I'm asking you the questions now. And really, I didn't ask the right questions even in the beginning because I didn't play out the full scenario. What if we got this? What if we get this? What if we did that? Right. And also in a shifting market, as it is so much across the country, it's a mix between correctly pricing and not overpricing, not leaving money on the table. So I suggest to clients that they spend in our market, it's 500 to $550 to get an appraisal. Get an appraisal. You don't even have to tell me what, what the appraisal is. We could get a cash offer over list. We could get multiple. This was offers. a cash offer, by the way. Oh, oh, that, that hurts. Yeah. Oh. Three, I mean, listen, I, I think we got probably about 35, K over where it would have appraised. That's why I said like, this is like a unicorn and not mm -hmm. that I did an amazing job because obviously I didn't do a good enough job since they didn't take it. But this, this was, this was like, we're setting and like, we're literally blowing up the all time high in this neighborhood by like $150,000 by selling it at this price that we were about to get. And we were about wow. to just completely, you know, right out on our unicorn over here onto the next property. But I understand they needed to make that extra 5K, right? Um, in order to quote unquote close. And I was already contributing, but by the time they got around to really understanding, we were out of time. And I moved quickly. Yes. Just following them all. That's the, that's the. Um, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. So there was one thing I wanted to say on being a top producer as far as listings and selling um, buyers both. You mentioned earlier having a good relationship with other agents. I will tell you, I think it makes a huge difference instead of us being like adversarial. Like if you are that agent, 
that people know, okay, she's going to negotiate tough for her clients, but she's going to get it done. I'm going to get a check. She's going to do everything she can to breathe CPR in life into this deal. She has the knowledge to know if we run into stuff, you know, problem resolution, you know, anything, you know, and you can handhold buyers and sellers. So sometimes being that agent and you can represent your client well, but just know that other agents want to work with you because maybe they don't always like everything about your style, but they respect your style and know that you're going to do a great job for, I, for everybody. I, I will tell you that I'm extremely aggressive, but that's probably because I'm from the Northeast area, like Philly, New York. Like I got that grit and I got mm-hmm. that immigrant grind in me, like, cause I came here to chase my American dream. I will hound you worse than a used car salesperson or those used car warranty people to get that thing accepted. But you know, when you see my name on that contract, that is closing no matter what it takes. But it needs to be a pretty close. And let me tell you why people like easy. Like, I don't want to text at 530 on Saturday morning. Hey, we ordered the termite letter. You know what? That's unacceptable. Your business should be for me. I try to keep all the professional stuff eight to five during the week. If somebody needs it after hours. But when somebody when they get off work from their second job, which I have done when I started real estate is, you know, to text you on Saturday morning, like I said, at 530. Hey, I ordered the termite letter. You know, it's you mean 530 a.m. or 530 p.m. 530 a.m. Because, you know, a, a lot of us worked a second job. It has to be after work before whatever you really need, in my opinion, to work it like a business. Keep all that transactional stuff eight to five, have your transaction coordinator handle those little details. Because when people see that you email them at 1.30 in the morning, A, it's an invitation to email you at 1.30 every morning. But B, that I think it's a subliminal message. Either you don't have enough time to do everything (laughs) um, or, you know, you don't have enough help. So I really love keeping in during business hours. Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know, if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. So this is a very big key point because I didn't realize that I'm actually guilty. I did this last night. Um, I texted the agent, you know, saying, hey, looking to put an offer in on your house. If you can, please give me a call. Now, it was at like nine. He texted me back at 11 or 11.30. And I said, cool, no problem. Let's speak in the morning because obviously that is way too late. Um, but I do keep my transactions smooth. People know that if they do hit me and if it's like urgent, they'll get a response in a reasonable time frame. You know, so it's interesting that as a top listing agent, this is the feedback that you're giving to everybody that's listening, because when you do treat it like a business, hence it showed up again, ladies and gentlemen, it is a totally different experience. So no. So I'm let me gonna... back up to that though. Let me say, if I have an offer and the client signs it at 9.30, I will, you know, that's sent out to the agent right away. Please confirm receipt. So I'm very timely with that kind of thing. We're, we're, we're talking about like 530 in the morning. Hey, I need that addendum sign. What is going on? I'm like, 
And it just went out at nine, nine o'clock the night before. Yes. Like, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa, hold your horses, right? Like, don't be, right. don't, don't be too overbearing. Yes. I'm talking like, okay, instead of calling them at like 7 a.m. on a Sunday, wait until nine. There's, there's no difference if you call them at seven or at nine or even better, call them at 12. So they know that if you went to church, you went to church or you did stuff with your family in the morning and now you're in business, right? I guess what we're really trying to say is be consistent and know the time and the place for the tasks or the things that are required to get done to actually get them done. And if you're using Gmail, G Suite, a business suite, whatever, you can schedule when those emails go out. So if you are working late at night and it is 10, 30 at night, schedule it to go out first thing in the morning, schedule it to go out later, whatever, just know it will go out, you know? Or say, hey, sorry for the long email. I want to make sure this doesn't get lost. Get back to me whenever you can. Just want to make sure I'm staying on top of it. I think really what you're saying is check the temperature and check the tone. Right? Absolutely. So, so, so when I say, like, I'm not going to be hunting you down, calling you 15 times at 9 o'clock at night. But if the offer deadline is at 6 p.m. and I haven't heard back, you probably will get two back-to-back phone calls with a voicemail and a text message to follow because I'm meeting a deadline. I want you to show, I want to show you that I am a professional about it and I'm not just winging it and I'm going to take whatever you're going to come back to me with. Like, absolutely. That's why there's a deadline. And I actually, when I do craft my offers, I do give people a time because if you craft an offer, let's say for tomorrow, okay, well, tomorrow, is that noon? And now I'm following up and I'm chasing a cat or is that end of business day? Or is that 11.59 p.m.? Because technically, tomorrow is tomorrow. So I always say, tomorrow by end of business or tomorrow by 6 p.m. EST, just in case everybody's in a different time zone, they know which one we work off of. Um, And then for the Hail Mary, what are some of the buying questions that you're asking? Do you ask your, do you work with buyers at this point? I do. If they're my VIPs, I contracted some apartments last week, but I have a buyer's agent and I pretty much, unless it's a VIP, just a huge repeat client of mine. If it's someone I don't know at all, they always go to my buyer's agent. So um, the number one question is, and it's super simple. And it's one that we overlook asking, are you pre-approved? Oh, it's not a problem. No problem. I'm going to get pre-approved right before I write an offer on something. It's always a problem if they're not pre-approved. I mean, we may find a property today that they want to write an offer on, and then they're scrambling. You don't really know what price range. I mean, interest rates have gone up. So a lot of times people don't even know what price range they need to be looking in. So number one, are you pre-approved? That is literally music to my ears. I asked the same question just a little bit differently because my market needs it to be asked a little bit differently. What do I mean by that? In my market, there's a lot of cash being thrown around. So you have to adjust. So I say, hey, are you going to be buying this cash or are you going to be financing? It's basically asking the same thing. Are you pre-approved? No, we're actually going to be paying cash. Great. Would you mind sending me a proof of funds just so I can have it on hand by the time that we're ready to, to write an offer and you don't have to scramble and I can just be as quick and efficient as I need to be on your behalf? Or hey, we're going to be buying financing. Great. Just so I know, have you already been pre-approved or do you need a second opinion? Oh, well, you know, we actually haven't started the process. Great. Do you know what the process looks like? 
And then all of a sudden, what they thought was a pre-approval was their neighbor next door that writes one or two loans a year told them what they could, quote unquote, get qualified for. And once you look at the financials, we just thought that the $600,000 was a budget and all of a sudden it's three. And I just wasted half of my time showing them six. That's exactly right. Yeah, it, 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 I, I think it's really being efficient. And it's one thing that the internet leads ta- taught me really, really well. It is the ability to be really, really well-versed on the subliminal messages of what our buyers and sellers are telling us. Because you have to pound the pavement. You'll talk to 100 people to write one or two or three deals. Mm-hmm. And for a buyer, for a buyer as well, little things that experience brings, it's like, are you pre-approved? And then it's like, what's your current housing situation? And they will tell you, well, we have a home already and we need to sell it before we can buy something. Wow. Well, two for one special. <laughs> two for one special. But it also tells me we don't need to be looking for homes yet because what they're looking at is likely not going to be there. We need a better plan. Yes. And then the other scenario is, well, we just signed a lease on an apartment. So we're in the lease until January of 2024. Well, guess what? Again, that's you have to triage the buyers. So, again, if they tell me they're divorcing, they're transferring, they just sold a home, they're in temporary housing, that buyer goes way up on my list of triages. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's the, the classic classification of A, B, and C. What's the timeline, baby? I just did an audit and I will finish off the show on this note is I realized that I'm working and spinning my wheels because I've identified that the majority of my time was spent with Bs and Cs, meaning people that are three to six months out or six to 12 months out. Let that sink in. Have you identified your buyer? And this is, this is a good buying or selling question. What is your timeline? Because if you're not ready to go yesterday, then we have to put a different plan together. If you're ready to go as of yesterday, then the question is, have you been working with an agent? Have you, has anybody ever taken you out? And you'll find that it's going to be 50-50. And then you can dig. Great. What did you like about the properties that you saw? And what did you like about the agent that you spent time with? Why are we on the phone? How can I do better? So, Missy, I want to turn around, give you the floor. I want you to tell people what you have going on, whether they're looking to buy and sell in Nashville or whether you're maybe growing your team. How can people get in touch with you, either phone, email, whatever you feel comfortable with? Absolutely. So, I mean, we're looking, always looking to help more people sell their homes, help people buy homes. We would love to hear from you. You can reach me at missychandler.com. My regular email is chandelum at realtracks.com. My personal cell number is 615-405-0659. And um, just a couple of other quick things. As a top producer, no one told me this, but I took a couple of notes. We have three quick team meetings every day. As soon as we get to the office, we have a small team meeting. Midday, a team meeting, any offers that have come in, anything that happened overnight, end of the day, we have another just short team huddle. We divide and conquer at every single point of the day on that. 
My executive personal assistant helps me do one to two things that I dread doing every day to get it off my plate. She pushes three cards in front of me every day and I send a handwritten card to clients. If you do that three times a day, every day, that's a massive amount of cards. People respond to those. She makes sure that I have my 10 plus outbound calls every day. And then I try to do a face-to-face lunch or break bread with clients as many days as possible. On Saturday nights, I'm usually out with a client and I'll take them to a nice restaurant with the husband and the wife. And so all of that being intentional, just really over the long time horizon pays off. You just literally crammed a whole nother podcast into the last few minutes of the show. I freaking love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. I got a little surprise for you. I got three rapid questions. Whatever Ooh. comes first to your mind, I promise they're, they're, you'll, you'll do just fine. Okay. Um, either a person, a coach, a podcast, YouTube channel, whatever you're doing, whatever you're listening to, just pick one to grow your business right now. To grow your business. Okay. Rick Ruby in the core. You know, I love him. Yes. Um, As far as podcasts, I listen to everything. Uh, I love physical fitness, Joe Rogan. I think that helps you with your business. I think if you're at the top of your game physically, it helps you grow your business. So um, you're a new favorite of mine as well. Um, And then, gosh, as far as another person. that's okay. because There's so many them. people. There's so many people. Like, I just, wow. I love Kendra Cook. She was our top team uh, agent. She's retired now from selling real estate. I always loved her, too. Love it. So, yeah. Okay, what's your goal for the next 12 months? So my goal for the next 12 months, um, I always have a certain financial goal, but I have goals in every area of my life. I have been intentional about spending more time with my family. I actually put that on my schedule every week. My dad passed away three years ago. I put it on my schedule to spend time with him once a week and eat with him and watch a movie. And I did that for probably the last five years of his life. I'm so glad I was intentional about that. Um, Spend more time with my grandchildren. Um, I have goals to work out a certain number of times every week. I would love to do a Spartan race. I'm not there yet, but I would love to do that. Um, And then as far as business, I just really want things to tweak my systems and my organizational level. I've just hired a new buyer's agent. I've hired a new executive personal assistant. So just to be more organized, really, I'm kind of on cruise control for the next year because my business has grown so exponentially over the past few years. I feel like you need a little bit of a, a coast period and then you go to that next level. And I'm, I'm really happy where it is right now. Love it. So then the last question I typically would ask is, what do you think is going to be stopping you from doing that and getting there? The only thing that stops you is yourself. Mike, my, my coach. You know how common that answer is? I mean, honestly, it's true. Like 90% of the show is just me. I'm going to be the one that's stopping me. So I really appreciate the the truth and honesty there because I I do know that we are either our biggest cheerleaders or our worst enemies. And we're the ones that are basically standing in the way between us and what we want to do ultimately. But the difference in me and you and a lot of other top producers is I'll do it. I mean, I'll make those lists and maybe I don't want to do something one day, but I still do it. I still do it. 
It's not, it's not how you feel. You just have a goal and you're just, I'm not going to stop at anything. So I love it. Missy, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute blast having you. And for My pleasure. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 